Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word in order to lead us to a personal transformational relationship with God. Here's Mark Sheldrake with the podcast series, Ignite Your Passion for God. Hello everyone, Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is a ministry of Precept Ministries Canada, so glad that you are tuning in Wherever you're tuning in, maybe the Precept app, maybe iTunes, SoundCloud, or on our website. So glad to have you participating in the Unlocking the Truth podcast. I hope and pray that as we are going through the Ignite series that you are studying along with us. We know that the Ignite Your Passion for God books are flying off the shelf, so hopefully you are participating in the study and you are joining in. This is a topic that is so important for us uh, in the day and the time that we're living in, coming out of COVID, where, you know, we've been sort of isolated and our churches haven't been meeting other than online. And maybe it's through this time that, you know, you really have been noticing some of these signs of apathy in your own Christian walk, and you're looking for ways to reignite your passion and desire for God. And I hope that this will be one of the answers uh, in a path. Let's let's face it, folks, it's not just going to be a podcast that's going to answer all those issues. There's work to be done. We've got to work at it. And so uh, working out our salvation, as Paul says in the book of Philippians, which will be our next podcast we will cover. But right now, we want to look at a new topic this week. So before I do, I want to pray with you, then I want to tell you about a couple of events that are coming up in the near future with Precept that you can participate in, and then we will dig into the text. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the time that you've given us through this amazing tool called the internet. Lord, we know that the enemy wants to use the internet for evil things, wants to use it to, you know, conquer and divide and cause strife among believers. And Lord, uh, it's just filled with misinformation. But Father, we also know that there are things on the internet that are uplifting and glorifying to you. There's Bible studies and podcasts and ministries reaching out all over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for the platform that we have. We thank you for the listeners that are taking part in the study as well as tuning in to Unlocking the Truth on a bi-weekly basis. We thank you for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's, uh, let's just talk for a minute. Let's talk Precept, Precept Ministries Canada. Uh, just for the purpose is I have a feeling, um, I've seen... The, the analytics, so to speak, the, the, the listenership and the viewership are more like listening uh, to the podcast over the last uh, couple of episodes, and the audience is growing, and I have to believe that the audience is, has been growing, one, because of the topic we're in right now, uh, and the previous topic, when we went through the book of Dan, the first six chapters of Daniel together. And so there has been uh, an increase in the number of people who are listening 
on a regular basis, and I want to welcome you to be uh, to this, and I want to thank you for tuning in. And if it's the first thing that you've been doing uh, with Precept, hey, how exciting. But we are so much more than this podcast, and I want to invite you to participate in some uh, local Precept training. Uh, our episode in the podcast last uh, time out was uh, really about the importance of falling in love with the Word of God. And so I want to challenge you that if that was a, a podcast that brought impact in your life, just like it did for the life in the life of Josiah, then I would challenge you to get involved in one of our training workshops called Essentials of Inductive Bible Study, or how to study Old Testament history, or how to study Old Testament um, or New Testament letters. Those would be some great workshops for you to get your feet wet in precept, learn the inductive method, and learn how to discover truth for yourself. Uh, this week, we're going to look at another topic, and the topic is prayer. And this is a, a topic that is um, talked about a fair amount, and, and we'll, we'll dr- address prayer and the importance of prayer and igniting our love and desire for God in just a few moments. But I want to invite you and encourage you to take a workshop that we have coming up very soon. You can check it on our website, preceptministries.ca called Biblical Prayer. And this uh, workshop called Biblical Prayer, you'll learn about uh, prayer within the scriptures and how Jesus lays out prayer and the importance of prayer. So it's not about just listening to some guy talk through a microphone and in through the app that you're uh, listening or the website or whatever it is how you are bringing down this this, uh, podcast. This ministry really wants to teach you how to engage in relationship with God through knowing his word. We want you to pick up your Bible. We want you to turn the pages. This is something I say from the pulpit all the time. you got to turn to learn. And so I love, as a, um, as a preacher and a teacher, to be able to hear the Bible pages turning. And I know that people are engaging in the scriptures together. And so this is what precept is. And so we want you to um, move not to... Stick with the podcast, absolutely, but also move into a deeper relationship with God through really learning how to study his Bible through the inductive method. All right, that's that's enough advertising. I wanna I wanna get into this and I wanna tell you that the topic of prayer that we're gonna look at this week, I'm gonna bring you through a passage of of scripture that's one of my favorite passages on on prayer. And I also want to set the stage with a couple of quotes that have uh, real in-depth, like deep meaning to me about prayer. And they both come from a man by the name of E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds has written a number of different books on prayer. And I have just been so impacted by the books that he has written. Um, They have a, a new book that was released a couple years ago that has all of the books that he's written all in one. So the author's name is E.M. Bounds, and I actually quoted him in the 40-minute Bible study that uh, hopefully you're studying along with us, Ignite Your Passion for God, because he just really kind of gripped my attention with the quotes that he had. And so here's the first quote, and uh, they sound very similar Um, But E.M. Bounds says, prayer is the greatest of all forces because it honors God and brings him into active aid. 
uh, there's another way that E.M. Bounds says this, and it says, prayer moves the, moves the arm that moves the world. And, and just to think about this for a moment, it's, it's a relationship in prayer. It's a conversation with God. And we are speaking to the Almighty, the one who spoke creation into existence, that we are speaking to him and we have the ability through prayer to seek out God and ask God according to his will and he will move. It absolutely is amazing to think about uh, what we can do uh, through the power of God when we pray. And, and this is one of the things that can ignite our passion and our love for God. And, and this is the reality. Uh, Daniel Henderson wrote a book called Transforming Prayer. And in his book, Transforming Prayer, he, he compared the, the prayers of many Christians to that of a grocery list. That we go to God with a list of things that we want to pray about, and we list them off, and then we close out the prayer, um, and then we go on our way. Now, what might be comprised of that prayer? prayer. Uh, let's think about some of those things. Some things like, oh Lord, could you pray for my neighbor Sally who needs salvation? Could you pray for our finances? Could you pray for our country? Could you pray for... And you start to list off all of these different things. Now, there's nothing wrong with listing out the things that you want to pray to God. That's not what I'm stating here, and I'm not critiquing people's prayer and the way they pray. But Daniel Henderson talks about a transforming prayer, a life-changing prayer. It's a prayer where you go to God on behalf, and you beseech, and you beg him to do things that only he can do. And this transforming prayer, this passionate prayer, is something that we're not used to doing. There are people that I know that are a part of this ministry that they get together on a bi-weekly basis and they go before the throne of God and they beg God to do great things in and through precept each and every week. There are people who are putting our team here at Precept at the altar of God and praying over each and every one of us as staff members uh, so that we are protected in the work that we are doing. Uh, we send prayer requests to this team on a regular basis. Why? Because when they pray, we see God move. And so there is this this transforming prayer that, that moves just beyond that quick conversation with God that is really just laying out our grocery list of things that we want God to do. This is about praying in ways that, you know what, unless you give it to God, there's no other way that it's going to happen. This this passionate prayer is so much different than what Daniel Henderson talked about in just laying out a quick list before God. And I want to take us through the scriptures, and I want to look at a situation uh, in the Bible, one of my favorite uh, stories and sets of verses in the Bible about prayer. And this is a situation where unless God moves, uh, it is over for this group of people. And, and there, this 
uh, prayer that comes before God is not is more than just a grocery list. This is this is a passionate prayer asking God to move in ways that he they have never seen God move before. And this is the passionate prayer that I'm talking about that is going to ignite a fire within you. Why? Because you will see God move in ways that you have never seen before. You will see prayers answered. And when you see prayer answered, you just want to give more to God. Why? Because you want to see more prayer answered. And the more prayer that gets answered within your life and in life of those around you, the more excited about you get about the fact that God is interacting with you on a regular basis and he is showing you that he is a God who not only hears your prayers, but he answers your prayers. This is something that we all need to have in our lives. You know, for years as I pastored in the church, it was only the seniors that were dedicated to prayer. Why is that? Why is it that all of the young families, the young people, even the people within my age group were never the ones to regularly attend a prayer meeting at the church? Was, was a prayer meeting just really a senior's ministry? Was it just something for the seniors of the church to do? Or were the seniors raised differently to understand the power of prayer of that over the younger generation? I don't really know or have the answer for that, but I would remember showing up to prayer meeting on a regular basis at our church on a month, you know, the monthly or bi-weekly basis, and I would walk into the room, and I would get ready to lead the prayer meeting, and there would be four to five seniors from our church, and that would be it. There wouldn't be any young families participating. There wouldn't be uh, anyone else other than the same four to five members each and every week. And I'm telling you, after a while, I was so thankful for those people because those people... Uh, I had the ability to be very transparent with, be able to leave things at, with them that they could beg God on, on behalf of not only Jessica and I, but also the church. Uh, they were real prayer warriors, and they were some of the first people that I would go to in crisis. Why? Because I would want them to be on my side, battling at the feet of the cross, begging God to do great things in and through us so that we could see God at work. Um, now, let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, you may, as soon as I say Second Chronicles chapter 20, you may know this story already. You may know all about it. You may know one verse in this passage that will stand out for you. Maybe somebody put it on a t-shirt. I don't know, maybe somebody put it on a piece of wood and hung it in their hallway, right? You don't know. Maybe somebody tattooed it on their arm or cut it into their hair. Who knows? But it's a popular verse within uh, Second Chronicles, and we'll get to it, I promise. But here, let's, let's begin this, uh, this story. And this is the story of Jehoshaphat, all right? It came about after the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon together with some of the Menuhites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. The son came and reported, uh, then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you. 
uh, from beyond the sea out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. Uh, this is the problem, okay? So let's start with the problem. The problem is that there are a great number of people, a great army, banding together to come against Jehoshaphat. They want to take them out. And so it is reporting back that this great army from all sides is coming to surround them and to make war. And, and they get this back to Jehoshaphat. But Jehoshaphat, look what it says in verse 3, he was afraid. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I would be afraid if there was a great army of people coming against me. I've been, I've been fearful and afraid when I've had four or five people come against me. Uh, you know, but to have hundreds of people coming against the people that you are leading, he says that he was afraid. And the first thing that he does, and this is what we want to pay attention to, this is, this is the most important thing that we need to watch in this verse. And in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid. His immediate response to fear was he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And then he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. I, I mean, I can't stop but pause and think for a minute, for a minute and I'd be and to, to ponder this and say to myself, okay, well, wait a minute. Um, if I had an army, uh, a great multitude of people coming to surround me and to kill, to kill me and, the, and kill the people that I'm over, is my immediate response to seek God? Hmm. Maybe not. Uh, what about you? Is your immediate response to, to take the crisis that you are about to face or that is about to come upon you and take that before the Lord and just give it over to God? Or is your first response what we would call uh, flight, fight or flight, right? What would you do? Would you stay and fight or would you run in the other direction? I tend to think that in the blue sky world, we would be the ones who are giving it over to God. That we are praying and asking God to take on that crisis. But in true reality, I believe that there's probably more people that are trying to solve that problem on their own without taking it to God. That their first response to the fear is not to take the crisis to God, but it is trying to find a way out without God. Do you know what that does? That begins to put out the fire and passion for the Lord. I used to have a saying in the church that I pastored, I either had big me or little God, or big God, little me. You see, when we start to try to solve all of the crisis by ourselves, and we don't begin to seek the Lord, big me, little God. But when we do give it to God and we understand the magnific magnificence of who God is, and we understand that it is only God that is going to move, big God, little me. But as I've said before, we, we, we spend a lot of time in the realm of big me, 
little God. Uh, why, why would I take this thing to God? It, this, this isn't a big enough problem for God to deal with. I can just deal with this one on my own. How's that worked out in the past? Has that been a, a positive thing for you to, to try and uh, be the big me little God? Or has it been more valuable for you to be uh, under the big God, understanding you are little me? You see, Jehoshaphat realized right here in this very moment that when he heard what was coming against him, his immediate response was to seek God. Remember Josiah? Remember what he did? Do you think that there's a connection between seeking God and igniting that passion and fire in your life? Absolutely. So we have to first seek God. Okay, look what he does. He, he seeks the Lord, and then he calls a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, we have a great Bible study on fasting. You could, you could pick that up. It's a 40-minute Bible study on biblical fasting. What's the point of fasting? The fasting is to put all of our attention and all of our energy and all of our focus on God. That nothing will get in the way of compl having complete focus and reliance on God. And sometimes holding back food and drink is the thing that we do to just solely rely and be sustained by God. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. He just doesn't do this himself. You know why? The problem's too big. The problem is too big for Jehoshaphat to solve. It's the problem's too big for the people of Judah to solve. But they all need to come together and they all need to beg God on behalf of God's people for the crisis that they're in. They're not doing this alone. Now look what happens in verse 4. Man, this might take forever to get through this passage, but we'll see. Verse 4 says, So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. I don't know, inductive Bible study students listening on the podcast, are you hearing it? Are you hearing the key words coming through, the repeated words and phrases? I don't know about you, but I said three times, seek the Lord. That's really important. What does God want us to know? He wants to know that we are to seek him in the midst of difficulty. And this is the case here. Passionate prayer. We, we want to be seeking after God. All right, now look at verse 5. Uh, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So they go up to the temple and they start to pray. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not the God in heavens? Are you not the ruler of the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O oh our God, drive out all the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it to the descendants, and they lived in it, and have built a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, or the sword, or judgment, or pestilence, or famine, 
We will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Do you know what he's doing? He's taking um, them back all the way to the dedication of the temple. He's reminding God of all that he promised that he would do when we when they were sought when God was sought after even when God's people were in distress the call was to to pray out and cry out to God and that God would answer in his time Do you see it now Prayer passionate prayer if you are a note taker Passionate prayer is plugging in to the power source. We literally are plugging in to God. When we converse with God, we are plugging into the one who has the power to do things above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And so here, Jehoshaphat, what's he doing? He knows he's afraid. He knows trouble is coming upon his people and he plugs in. He plugs into the power source. And then he prays, God, aren't you the God who is ruler over all? Aren't you the one who took out the descendants? Aren't you the one that nobody can stand against? You are the one that we are to call out in distress, and you will hear. He's plugged in. He's plugged into the power source. Do you think that's all he has to do? Oh, there's more. Uh, he, now in verse 10, he says, Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us and coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Oh God, will you not judge them? Now listen to what he says. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Oh man, this is so good. We, he is plugging in to the power source. Plugged into the power source. And he is saying, God, this multitude, this is too big. This is too much for us to handle. And therefore, we are powerless. Without plugging into the power source, they are powerless against the crisis that is before them. Do you see the power of prayer? Do you see how important prayer is? Plugging into the source. He says they're powerless against them. Now my favorite verse. Is this what's on the t-shirt? Did you put it on the wall? He says, O oh, our God, will you, I will, will, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is big God, little me. Verse 12 tells us that the most important thing we can do in this crisis is to turn it over to God and keep our eyes on the one who has the power to do what needs to be done. 
This is so important. This is so important. This is, this is life-changing prayer that we're talking about here. This is more than a grocery list. This is taking something that is so big in our lives that we need to take it before God and then leave it with him and just keep our eye on God until, when he, until he does the work. Now, you might be saying to yourself, oh, I do that. I do that with all of the big things in my life. I, I always turn the big things over to God. But it's the little things that I can take care of. I don't need to pray about those little things. How often do those little things become big things? See, this is the problem with apathy. Is you really don't know that you're losing your passion and love for God until you've really, really walked far from your relationship with him. Your pride won't allow you to recognize that you're being apathetic. That's the biggest problem. Your pride's always going to tell you that you, are, you have an amazing prayer life. You have an amazing uh, Bible study life. I, I'm really good at worship. I'm really good at doing all of these things. That's your pride. And your pride doesn't allow you to see when you've fallen too far. So passionate prayer, we're, we're, I'm going to give you some, some laws to passionate prayer when, before we wrap up, and I'm going to give you barriers to this passionate prayer as well. But right in this passage we're learning, the first thing we need to do is plug into the power source. The second thing we need to do is keep our eyes on God. And then watch what God does. Now let's look at the rest of this story and what happens to the people of Judah. We don't know what to do, but we'll keep our eyes on you. All of Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly of the Spirit of the, the, Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mentaniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, and he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go, up, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah, Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the son of the Kohites and all of the sons of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Do you see it? Do you see what, do you see what happened there? Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah plugged into the power source. And they admitted in their prayer that it was only God who could rescue them. And their response was, this is way too big for us to handle. We're going to keep our eyes on you. 
And the Lord answers their prayer. And he says, do not fear or be dismayed, but go up against them, but you don't have to fight. This is not your battle to fight. The call on the people of Judah at this time is just to be obedient to God's word. And go. They just need to go and be obedient. You see the response to the answered prayer? It's worship. Which worship will be the next topic we look at. That will be next, next episode. We'll, we'll look at how to ignite our passion through, through passionate worship. But here, immediately, do you think that the, a, a moment like this, a moment in time like this where you see God answered prayer, that it would ignite your passion and love for him? They were about to be destroyed by an army that they could do nothing against. And God answered their prayer. And all they could do in response was worship. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite passages because in right in the beginning, the leader of this great, great group of people, these chosen people of God says, we don't know what to do. I have no idea. I have no answer to this. But we're just going to keep our eyes on you, God. This is the value and the importance of prayer. Verse 20, they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out to Jehoshaphat, stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. They went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. This is amazing. Do you think they went with weapons up the hill? I think they went up the hill with instruments because they started worshiping. They were worshiping and praising God at the top of the hill when when they were about to go to battle, they knew they didn't have to fight, but they were about to see God do something absolutely amazing. Their whole focus and attention was on God. They began singing and praising, and the Lord set up ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, and who, all who had come against Judah, and they were routed. The sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When Judah came out to look out of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, they were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things, which took for themselves more than they could carry, and then they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Then on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they had blessed the Lord. Therefore, they have named the place the Valley of Barakah until today. Every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over the enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord, 
And the dread of God was on all the kingdom of the land when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Uh, so the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God gave him rest on all sides. There are a couple things I want to look at in this passage before we get to the six, six laws of passionate prayer and the four barriers. All right, the first is that when they woke up in the morning, do you see what they did? They said, from Jehoshaphat, down in verse 20, it tells them that Jehoshaphat said, Listen to me, all of you inhabitants of Judah. Put your trust in the Lord. So the answered prayer was, the battle is not yours. You don't have to fight, but you need to go up the hill. The important thing was that these people now had to walk forward in the, in the answered prayer. And they walked forward, and they walked forward with a, a mindset of worship. Put your trust in God. And then what we see as the, the passage wraps up is we see that God did fight the battle and the army was destroyed and they were able to walk amongst the dead bodies and gather all the spoil and the riches from among the armies that were coming against him. Now, do you see what happened in this entire story of Jehoshaphat? It's exactly what E.M. Bounds talked about in his quote. When he said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Jehoshaphat, when he knew that the crisis was against him, he took it to God. He immediately understood, little me, big God. And when he took that to God, he prayed and he asked God to do things. And all he said was, I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. And God answered and God moved through the prayer that Jehoshaphat has. Prayer called God into action. And God wiped out all the armies, and Jehoshaphat, during his reign, was at peace. They, they had gathered tons of spoil. This is exactly what Ian Bounds was talking about in passionate prayer. He was saying that prayer moves the arm that moves the world. We just got to be willing to, to take the time and pray. It's something that is one of those spiritual disciplines that we don't take advantage of enough. Is this why there are so many people that are not attending prayer meetings because they don't see the value and the importance of prayer in the life of a believer? Do you not understand that a part of getting rid of that apathy is, is taking uh, the time to plug into the power source? If we're not in regular conversation with God, it's very simple. We will move away and our relationship will fall apart. It's the same way with your spouse. If you don't spend any time with your spouse, you will separate. You will move on to things that you find more important. You've, you've got to plug into the power source. This is one of the most vital spiritual disciplines that we have. I believe that, yes, the Bible you know, is very important in what we need to understand and study. But I believe that it's through prayer that we ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to give us a hunger for God's Word. So maybe we should have done prayer before we did the Bible. 
But prayer is vital for our relationship. You can't have a relationship if you don't talk to the one you want to have a relationship with. All right, let me, let me get practical here with you in the last few minutes because I want to give you six ways to ignite your passion through prayer. And then I want to give you four things that will put out the fire for passionate prayer. All right, here's number one. The first thing that um, will ignite passionate prayer is to set apart time to build your relationship. All right, so the first thing you need to do to, to start having passionate prayer is that you need to set out time in your schedule to go before the Lord every day. I'm not talking about legalism, that this is, you know, the way to salvation and you have to do this. No, this is a part of the desire that you have to know God better in your life is to have conversation with him through prayer. And you got to set time out to do that. Uh, whether you do it the first thing you wake up in the morning or it's the last thing you do before you go to sleep. Spend time in prayer and be diligent in it. Don't let it fade away. Spend time beseeching God on behalf of you and your family, your church, your community, and your country. You want to know why? Because it's only God who is going to transform this country. Uh, we are in a crisis much like that of Jehoshaphat. We have war and battles coming from every which way right now. We have attacks on truth. We have attacks on the scriptures themselves. We have attacks on the church. We have the church fighting with each other over different things. And it's only God who's going to move and do something. And so we have to understand that we've got to take it to God. Spend some time each and every day in prayer, number one. Number two, take, find a spot where you can do this alone. Uh, you need to be able to talk to God, and I would even consider and encourage that you talk out loud, that you pray out loud to God in a voice that, you know, like you're hearing me now. Be in a place where it's okay for you. Hey, men listening to this, are you ready? Be in a place where it's okay for your eyes to water, for you to weep over wanting God to do great things in and through you. Those of you with young families, find a place where your children are not going to come in and interrupt you. This is a t an opportunity for you to go before God. Do you remember that there was a prayer movie that was put out a few years ago and the woman prayed in a closet? Whatever works, find a place where you can pray on your own and where you might be brought to tears, and it's okay to be brought to tears, but you can do that between you and God. All right, number three. The third thing that you can do to ignite passionate prayer is to use the Word of God as a part of your prayer. You see, Jehoshaphat, 
Jehoshaphat was using God's word as a part of his prayer. We'll see that all through scripture. That when, we need, when people of the Bible needed God to move in a way like they've never moved before, they quoted scripture. And so we need to understand the promises of God. And it's okay to remind God of the promises that he has made for his people. This is important. Is don't go into your, to your prayer room or your quiet place without God's word in your hand. Take it with you. Read it. Why? Because God speaks through his word. That was the last episode. So maybe God will answer your prayers through his word. All right, number four. This is important. Talk to God and then listen. Pray and expect God to respond. The Bible is clear that it says that his sheep will hear his voice. And we will recognize the shepherd. But you see, we can't just do this quick. This is what Daniel Henderson was talking about. Daniel Henderson talked about we go to God with this grocery list. We leave the list at, at, at Jesus' feet and then we walk away. But we don't take time to stop and listen. This is vital. Remember, we're, we're plugging into the power source. We're, we, we're asking God to do great things, and so we should be stopping and listening for his voice. Listening for answered prayer. Number five, the fifth way to ignite your passion and love for God is to develop a prayer journal. You know, when I, first, when I first thought about prayer journals, I, I wasn't a big journaler myself and, and to write things down. But what I found was when I started to write down some of the prayers and the way that God answered them, oh man, I would just look back into that journal and I would get so excited. I would get fired up knowing that God was, was answering prayers and doing things that that I would never have expected before. One of those prayers, uh, I am sitting in it right now recording this podcast. I mean, I went to God with a list of things uh, that we were looking for in a building, and I begged God to show us whether uh, we would find a building to use for Precept Ministries uh, and whether this was just something that was my heart's desire? Was it God's desire for us to have a bigger facility so that I wouldn't have to record things like this in a small little area and we could have bigger classes and bigger training events, all of that stuff? And you know what? Uh, God made it clear. Uh, we had a list of things, and we said, these are all of the things that we would want in a building, and if we don't have them, we don't move. And God took care of everything on that list. God showed us uh, this building and we were blown away and he even moved mountains folks to get us the zoning changes that we needed to have to have this building that's in my prayer journal and so when I'm having a difficult day and I'm not sure that God's answering prayer I go back to the journal and I look and I'm like oh yeah I remember 61 Sherwood Drive we should never have that building 
There's no way outside of God's mighty hand on us in precept that we should be in this building right now. It was God who transformed the hearts of the city councilors and the people in charge of zoning to get us this place and to be almost mortgage-free. God, write it down. Write down those moments when you see God at work. Be encouraged. Look back. Get fired up about it. See, the more answered prayer you see, the more excited you want to go to God for, to God and have him do things like that. All right? Now, here's the final one. Number six. Practice the presence of God throughout the day. What do you mean? Huh? Practice the presence of God. Remind yourself about who God is throughout the day. When you wake up in the morning, is God the first thing on your mind? When you go to bed at night, is God the first is the God the last thing on your mind? When you wake up in the morning, do you recite Bible verses? Do you think about scripture? Throughout the day, do you remind yourself of the word of God and and some of God's promises? These are ways to practice the presence of God in your life is to recite scripture, memorize verses, meditate on scripture that that will help you remember who God is. Uh, do you need a do you need a verse? Do you need a chapter? To uh, help you with this practice, how about Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. Where does he lead me? Green pastures, quiet waters, before my enemies, in the valleys, in the shadows. God. All right, now, those are six ways to ignite your passion Set apart time. Choose a spot you can do it quietly. A place where you can weep or, or talk loud to God. Talk and listen. Um, then you have a prayer diary. Write out what God is teaching you through prayer. Write out answered prayer. Practice the presence of God. Recite Psalm 23. Here are four barriers that cause us to not have passion. Passionate prayer. Number one, pride. That's it. Number one is pride. What is it? Big me, little God. I don't need God. I can solve this one myself. It's very simple. There's nothing to it. The very fact that you think you're bigger than God. Right? We don't want, that's big me, little God. Why would I need God to deal with that? I can deal with that one on my own. That's pride. Trust me, folks, pride's going to come up a lot throughout this podcast series. Number two, fear. Can I really leave this crisis or this situation or this thing before God? Do I really trust God that he will answer prayer? Hmm. That's another difficult one. Well, I could, I could take care of it myself. Do I, really, do I really trust God with my finances? Do I really trust God that 
I can give this much amount of money to to the church and, and we're going to be okay because he says he's the provider. Fear is a number one of those big ones that causes us to not have passionate prayer before God. Guilt. Guilt is another one. Am I really worthy of answered prayer? Am I really worthy to take my prayers to God? Why would God want to answer my prayers? I'm just a little old person that, you know, is me. I don't know. It's not where I'm not worth worth answered prayer. Yes, you are, because that leads to the next one. So uh, we can we if we can get over pride, fear, and guilt, uh, we can start to have passionate prayer. Here's the final one. Sin. This is this is. I mean, all of the other ones are sin, but, but disobedience, outright disobedience toward God will destroy passionate power, prayer. When we are so focused on our sin and we don't understand that our relationship has been transformed by our relationship with God, Sin will get in the way. Sin will destroy passionate prayer. This is something we need to think about. We need to ask ourselves as we we wrap up this week's episode, one, um, what is my prayer life like? Would I classify my prayer life to be that of passionate prayer? Do I beg God to do great things that only he can do? Do I trust God enough to leave things at his feet for him to take care of? Do I have prayer like Jehoshaphat, where I seek God, I leave it to him, I keep my eyes on him, and I let him do the work? Or do I allow things like pride, fear, guilt, and disobedience to destroy my prayer life? Are these the things that cause us to separate and move further away in our relationship with God? See, here's the thing, folks, and I want you to understand this in every week that we look at. You see, God's not moving. God is, he, he is there, and we are the ones that shift all around. All right, we are, we're the ones who either draw closer or move away depending on what's happening in our lives. Pride, fear, guilt, and sin will always push us away from a righteous God. They will always hinder our prayer life. And so we want to be more like Jehoshaphat. We want to take our prayers to him. We want to seek his face. We want to give it over to him. We want to trust that he will do great things. And then we want to watch him do it. These are the things that cause us to have an ignited prayer life. I hope that through this episode, you, you can begin to put some of these 
uh, six laws of passionate prayer into your into your daily life, and you can see how God is going to move in ways that you could never ask or imagine. I hope that you're taking the time to study through the Ignite Your Passion book, and you can see all kinds of cross-references and more information on prayer, and even looking at the life of Manasseh, Josiah's grandfather, in week three. But I would encourage you to, to start now. Plug into the power source. Seek God. Ask, and it will be done according to his will. Passionate prayer starts with getting rid of pride, fear, guilt, and sin. And then implementing the six laws that we talked about today. Father, we do thank you for what you have shown us in your word. We thank you for the example of Jehoshaphat. We thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about prayer and to talk about coming to you in conversation and plugging into the source. And I pray, Lord, that each person listening to this episode, that there would be something that was said through the power of your Holy Spirit that would bring a moment of conviction and a moment of challenge, that, Lord, people would would understand the differences between big God, little me, and little, little me, big God. That, Father, we, we are people and we are a, a believers that must plug in to you and see you do great and mighty things. And, Lord, I stop right now and I pray for our country. I pray that we would see you do a mighty work in Canada. That uh, as we're watching this battle for tr- truth and this cultural transformation and the worship of sin, that you would uh, reign, that you would use your believers to, to transform this world uh, one person at a time. That things like this podcast and the, and the ministry that Precept offers would put more and more people into your word and people would just have this greater fire and passion to to serve you to talk about you and to uh, share you with others lord we pray for our leaders of this country those who are leading the way through this covid pandemic as well we pray for their salvation we pray that you would do a mighty work in their lives to 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 show them who you are lord this is such a big problem going on in our in our world, that all we can do is step back and and keep our eyes on you and trust that you will do um, what is right for our country. So, Lord, we leave it in your hands. We leave the leaders that you have appointed into our into your hands, and we trust that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you are the beginning and the end, and that you will come and you will reign with us again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Be sure to visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find a Bible study class or workshop that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.